The following is part one of a two-part episode. In this episode, we cover the first few chapters of the Book of Boba Fett. In part two, we cover the last few chapters of the Book of Boba Fett. I am not a bounty hunter. I've heard otherwise. I know that you sit on the throne of your former employer. Jabba ruled with fear. I intend to rule with respect. You were all once captains under Jabba the Hutt. I'm here to make a proposal that's mutually beneficial. Why speak of conflict when cooperation can make us all rich? What prevents us all from killing you and taking what we want? If he had spoken such insolence to Java, he'd have fed you to his menagerie. Please, speak freely. Welcome back to Geek Channel 8, GC8, the podcast where we talk about movies and TV and other geek culture that happened a long time ago. (laughs) A long time ago in a galaxy far, far far away. Far away, yeah. Yeah, this week we are going to be talking about the Book of Boba Fett TV series based on the Boba Fett character that we all came to love from Empire Strikes Back. Before we get into that though, what have you been up to, Rosie? At the time of this recording, two major finales uh, happened this week, um, House of the Dragon and um, The Handmaid's Tale, totally addicted to both series. So just finished watching that, kind of looking back in in my uh, index to see like, what I've been meaning to watch but haven't watched yet and um actually starting to watch Boba Fett I was like looking through the Disney plus catalog and now I'm like I have so many more things to watch to make up the time and of course I've been watching The Walking Dead Um, they're in their final season they just have a couple of episodes left and then that's done really been enjoying this season I know a lot of people want to trash talk it or whatever but I'm diehard watched it from the beginning I'm going to watch it to the end and I don't care what anybody says about it so whatever and I uh, want to give a shout out to my buddy Matt who uh, is a new listener and he's uh, actually my team lead at my new job that I just started a few weeks ago and uh, so I want to give him some recognition so photo rules 
I can't even like, get yeah. the people that I work with to listen to my podcast. Like, and some of them actually have podcasts, <laughs> which I've listened to. Oh, <laughs> but, see how it is. It's like, I listen to yours. You got to listen to mine. <laughs> exactly. No, you don't have to, unless it's your thing. If you, if you like it, that's fine. Yeah. But like, what did you do last night? What did I do last night? Well, what I did last night is um, my, I play, as I've mentioned before, I play roller derby for the black and bluegrass roller girls. And every year we have our drag show fundraiser. Some of us skaters who are not afraid to hit the stage will go up and actually perform in drag. And we also have guest drag performers come. So last night from 2018, I brought back Axel Rosie and, yeah. uh, and went in a new character, Disco Dave. Disco Dave did Casey and the Sunshine Band last night and Axel Rosie did Paradise City and, and it was awesome. So I love doing that. And I don't know why I don't do it every year, but I'm just going to make myself do it every year. And also, I'm just going to put it out there on recording. My partner, Rob, said that he would do some acts with me next year. So we're all going to hold him to this. Okay. Okay. So can he, is he like slash level good? Um, I think he could be slash level good, but I am kind of thinking that we'll do drag Sonny and share maybe. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I've been bugging him to do drag Sonny and share forever. And actually one time we had a conversation about that and he was like, okay, but only if I get to be turned back time share, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, whatever you want. (laughs) Okay. So he's going to wear the assless. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the the big wig and strut. (laughs) Okay. I, I don't even want to go there right now. <laughs> it's too early in the morning. We're recording this early in the morning. Okay. I don't so, always do this to myself at this hour. I don't know why. Anyway, sorry. I tend to suck all the air out of the room. I feel like I took up most of your time. <laughs> no, that's, I, I think the listeners are are cool with that. We have a very large arc of our second season. So we started with Dune and sandworms and spice and all that and then we went on to the samurai stuff lone wolf and cub and mandalorian arc and then we did the godfather arc and now i feel like we have the culmination of all three of these arcs in today's series the book of boba fett so we will be talking about spice we will be talking about samurai stuff we will be talking about crime bosses it all comes together right here at the end of 2022 our arc of arcs our arc of arcs <laughs> i am not going to dive into the series background the background to the production because there's so much out on there on the internet about it you can find it super easy it's not hard But basically, you know, some of the brief things to note was that Josh Trank was in, was doing it at first, and then Fantastic Four bombed, and then Josh Trank was out. And then um, I think they recruited Favreau because The Mandalorian was doing so good, but people wanted a dedicated Boba Fett series. So originally, this was kind of like Mandalorian 2.5. In fact, the episode numbers continue directly from Mandalorian, as if this is season three of Mandalorian. And... The Mandalorian plays a pretty big role in particularly later episodes of this. So I know that the Book of Boba Fett is a separate series entirely, but we're gonna, I'm glad we slotted it in after Mandalorian. Any opening thoughts when you 
first decided to take this on? Oh, well, I, first of all, I was really excited about it. And I just want to start with the name of the first chapter, uh, Strange in, Stranger in a Strange Land. That's actually the title of a U2 song on their 1982 album, October, which is actually one of my favorite albums. It's not as popular as the rest of their earlier albums, uh, War, Boy, Unforgettable Fire. October was actually a more spiritual album as well. So uh, it was just kind of neat that they chose that as the title of chapter one. I was like, oh, hell yes, this is just going to be good. It's just going to be good. You know what I mean? If if there was a YouTube fan that decided this, I just want to high five them. Well, so. as an old school sci-fi geek, I have to point out that you too took the title from the novel Stranger in a Strange Land by Robert Heinlein, which is a Hugo winning novel award-winning novel, considered one of the greatest science fiction novels ever written. Um, we will go more into detail on Stranger in a Strange Land, the novel, in a future episode. I don't want to get derailed right now, though. Now I so, have to read it. <laughs> yeah, you should. Everyone should. My high school English teacher like just gave me a copy. I think because she knew I was into Starship Troopers, which we talked about in a previous episode. And that's kind of Heinlein at his most right-wingy and like Stranger in a Strange Little Land is him at his most left-wingy. Like <laughs> he, he defies political classification. But anyway, it really resonated with a lot of boomer hippie types. So I think that was kind of like, hey, here, kid, read this, you know, Age of Aquarius crap. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. It's not Age of Aquarius crap. You should read it. Can I do a little sidebar here? Speaking yeah, do. Of books. My partner got me the new book written by Bono, his uh, autobiography, for, uh, 40. So I haven't even started diving into that, but as soon as I do, I will mention it on the show. I'm really excited about that. Huge U2 fan, if you can't tell. All right. So this series opens up. Boba Fett is escaping the Sarlacc that swallowed him. So it's basically takes place right after the events of The Return of the Jedi. The Jawas like steal his armor, which like I knew Jawas were scavengers, but they knew he was alive, right? Like they're like he was like, you know, so I come to the conclusion that Jawas are just dicks. Like <laughs> right. <laughs> I used to think they were just pesky, annoying, you know, they collect stray droids in the desert, but no, they'll like strip your armor off and leave you to die in the the sun, uh, the two sons of Tatooine, you know. Right. <laughs> He's captured by sand people and can't escape or anything like that. And we find out that this is all like a dream that he's having while he's in like a healing tank. The back um, to tank. Yep. And uh, Fennec Shand is with him and they're like planning on taking control of Jabba's criminal empire on Tatooine. All right. Fennec, of course played by Ming-Na Wen, who I've mentioned before, is like, she is one hot senior citizen, man. <laughs> <laughs> How old is she? She's 58. Okay, so she's, all right. Well, um, she has the best side eye in Hollywood. I'm just going to say it. 
Yeah, I think every single picture you see of her, like that's like the photo you see most often is her giving the side. I I think even in Mulan when she's like animated, like that's like <laughs> something you you notice with Mulan. It opens with this scene, like the part where we're back to the quote unquote present. They're getting tributes from dignitaries. Did this automatically take you back to every like opening scene of every godfather movie where like it's at a party like there's yeah. no party here but like everybody's like coming in for their individual meetings and like bringing tributes or whatever yeah like, <laughs> i think it's pretty safe to say that there is a godfather undertone going on in this series oh yeah and a dune undertone in the series as well we'll get to the dune undertone part soon but this part yeah yeah I mean, this I guess is definitely there, Godfather. Yeah, there were dignitaries that came and visited fairly early in Dune as well. But this is like totally the Godfather where they're like offering tribute. And then the mayor or the former mayor sends a guy who has no tribute and then like expects that Boba Fett is going to give him tribute. <laughs> <laughs> like that's very presumptuous. Okay. Yeah. The next like throwback to the Godfather, which happens almost immediately, is they go out and they walk the street like they actually walk mm -hmm. the street and people are like he's talking to people and um, he has this line. Jabba ruled with fear. I intend to rule with respect. Now I wrote that in my notes. I said that I said that when we were discussing the black hand versus Vito Corleone. You guys can go back and listen to it if you want. Johanna went into this thing about how similar they were and how like stuff like that. And I, I said, no, I don't think they're similar. I think that there's a major difference here, which is that Vito rules with respect where the black hand ruled with fear. And so everybody's like giving him like melons and stuff like that in the street. And so I wanted to mention that because, you know, she knows we have a no spoiler rule. And I think she even said in our post recording session have you seen book of boba fett yet and i was like no and she's like because you practically quoted directly from it in this episode <laughs> <laughs> so then they, they get attacked by assassins again very reminiscent of of the godfather things take a slightly different turn in this though they are able to fight them off and fennec captures one of them Boba Fett gets back to the back to tank. We don't yet get the questioning of the captured assassin yet. This episode was directed by Robert Rodriguez, who I have loved since El Mariachi. So I, I was happy to see that he's like playing a major role in these uh, this Book of Boba Fett series. Stranger in a Strange Land is kind of about how Boba Fett is new to this world and its customs and things like that. And this is something we see a lot in The Godfather. In particular, this series reminds me more of The Godfather Part Two, where Vito Corleone is an immigrant to the U.S. and, you know, rises to become the crime boss of New York, but then the U.S. in general. I have to point out Jennifer Beals. Well, she played Garth Whip, Twilight owner of the Cantina. 
I mean, of course, you know, we saw her way back during Flashdance and she's just amazing. She's so graceful. She's so beautiful. And they did a fantastic job on her costuming and everything. And it was just, you know, I didn't expect to see her in this series and she fit right in. So I was super excited to see her. Yeah, I kind of kind of forgot about her because mm-hmm. I, I never watched The L Word. I guess maybe at some point I will. I've always intended to, but it's always been mm-hmm. backburnered, you know, mostly because yeah. it's a Showtime series and I didn't have Showtime. Uh, my sister got me into it. I wanted to explore outside of my normal <laughs> realm of entertainment. You know what I mean? You, you, you were you L Word curious. I was L word curious. Yes. And now, and now I'm L word. Uh, what is it? L word generation Q curious <laughs> in which, you know, Jennifer Beals does continue her same character. It's a sequel to the L word series, the L word generation Q. And actually they're getting ready to come out with their second season. I'm super excited about that as well. Will bet and Tina get back together. We don't know. Anyway. Okay. So, yeah, I kind of forgot about Jennifer Beals for a long time. Like, to me, she's always, it's always flash dances, like the immediate, <laughs> like, thing yeah. I think of, you know? And she did so much stuff since then, but people still, like, connect her with flash dance. That just won't ever end, you know? <laughs> I noticed that she got, like, top billing in the series. Like, whenever, I, I think that's actually because they do it alphabetically. At the end, it Beals comes alphabetically first. But you always see yeah. her name first in the credits. Toward the end of the episode, it flashes back to his coming up in the Sand People, and he he learns their ways, and uh, they give him the um, the black melon juice, you mm-hmm. know, that they all drink. Which is now we get into the Dune comparisons because they're the Sand People. They live in the desert. They have their desert ways, and like the way he comes to them is not completely unlike the way that Paul Atreides and his mom crashing in the desert and then found by the Freeman and, you know, all of that. So and taken in, immersed in the culture, yada, drinking yada. The, drinking the special drink. That's you know. right. Episode two is called The Tribes of Tatooine. Pretty much, yeah, it deals with the different tribes of Tatooine. And this episode is really special to me and I'll say why in a second but basically Boba Fett and Fennec Shan they've captured this guy and he tells them that he was actually hired by the mayor and right. um can we talk about how they got him to to fess up though yeah that do was it. classic that was so classic because you know he's he's standing over this trap door which Jabba the Hutt you, you know used to have some like big scary creature down there that would eat you if you were dropped into it. And so this guy's thinking it's still there. And they're like, well, who sent you? And he wouldn't say it. So they dropped him in there and he's like, I was sent by the mayor. Okay. And then, and then Fennec Shan is like, yeah, it's empty. Thanks for that. (laughs) Yeah. So they uh, basically get a visit from the twins who are two like huts. They're two Jabba looking I don't know what is a hut a species or a family you know I think it's a family I think it's a family but I don't know what their species name is but they're you know definitely Jabba the Hutt's family and they're yeah and for big blobs they look pretty different to be twins like so but they're apparently twins and um, one has a fan 
and one doesn't. That's how you know which one's the girl. Well, they're a different color too, right? Yeah. Anyway, they uh, they bring Chrysanthemum, which is a, this Wookiee. He's a badass looking Wookiee too. Love him. Yeah. It ends in a standoff. Neither really gets what they want. We do find out that the Tuscans are senselessly slaughtered by like people shooting from a train, kind of like Native Americans. That comparison is hard to miss. So there's a Western kind of component here going on too. Definitely a Western component, but we'll talk about that later. (laughs) We also learned that spice is a valuable commodity, but uh, we never really find out what doing spice is like. Drugs here are more like taking a psychedelic lizard up your nose. Right. That's like more like... Fett remembers the Tuscans teaching him combat and all that. He eventually goes off on this peyote thing in the desert, which is really him just having a lizard up his nose, you know? And then like- um, He really had his Jim Morrison moment. Yep. (laughs) And then when he comes back in from the desert in robes, when he shows back up, he looks just like Marlon Brando. The other tribe that I wanted to mention in this, we we talked about the huts and we talked about some of the other uh, crime families and we talked about the sand people. What we haven't talked about is the speeder bike gang. We'll get more into the speeder bike gang in in the next uh, in the next installment. Let's mention the the tribe that was actually on the train, the Pike Syndicate. They're the ones running the train through Tuscan lands, and this is also a moment where. Boba Fett really gets to show and kind of flex his authority, shows what kind of ruler he's going to be because he's like, you know what? This is Tuscan land. So if you are going to run your trains through this land, you are going to pay the Tuscans to run the train through this land. And then he sent them back home on foot and they were like, the Tuscans will protect you. They'll protect you and make sure that you get home. But from now on, when you use this land, instead of shooting at them, you're going to pay them to use this land. Right. Right. Chapter three, the streets of Mos Espa. Here we get another gang. They're cyborgs. And here's what I really love, because this is a throwback for me. They modify their body. So their gang is literally called the mods, all right? And (laughs) I don't know if our listeners know this, but I have a green Vespa, you know, with a bunch of mirrors on it and stuff like that. And like this gang's speeder bikes are actually like speeder Vespas. Yes. (laughs) And they're like in the color scheme, the candy colors that Vespas come in, like blue and red and green and um, yellow yellow and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they dress like mods. They're called mods, but they combine that with like body modification. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. they modify their body with droid parts. So I thought that was really like that part was thrown in this series for me, you know, for me to enjoy. I was the person that that was made for, you know. And I love how Boba Fett handled that. Once again, he flexes his authority and shows what kind of leader he's going to be. These kids were stealing water from somebody who was way overcharging for them. You know, there was a time when I was renting a place and the job that I worked at went out of business. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have a job. And I mentioned this to my landlord and he's like, if you need work, come work for me, you know? And so I, I ended up like 
working for him, helping like rehab apartments that he was then going to rent out and stuff like that so that I could pay my own rent. That's what he does when these mods say there is no work to be had, blah, blah, blah. He's like, okay, then you're going to come work for me, you know? Yeah. Um, and that guy's like, wait a minute, they stole from me. It's like, you overcharged them anyway. Get over it. I mean, instead of like putting the screws to them, he's like, well, then come work for me. So I thought that was kind of cool. But yes, one of the speeder bikes looks exactly like my green Vespa. I love that. <laughs> we also get Danny Trejo in this. Danny Trejo uh, is awesome. He always plays the heavy in stuff like this. He pops up in a lot of stuff that Robert Rodriguez does because they're like second cousins or something. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And they didn't know that. Danny Trejo was already established in, well, he was a criminal, right? He was incarcerated in uh, one of the major prisons in in the southwest you know he's got a criminal past before he came to hollywood and then he got all these roles playing you know the heavy uh -huh. the, the a thug a bad guy and you know he speaks spanish and robert rodriguez speaks spanish and was an austin filmmaker and he had actually cast him in a couple of one or more things before they knew this and then they were at some big family reunion and they're like <laughs> what are you hey, doing here <laughs> meet your second cousin and they're like oh <laughs> <laughs> you know, so um, yeah, so he shows up in a lot of stuff that Rodriguez directs. I um, love Danny Trejo. He's just awesome in everything he does. I just love him. And the fact that he was an animal trainer this time was just chef's kiss. Perfect. This episode ends where the Pikes are on their way to Mos Espa and there's basically going to be a war. And as we all know, gang war is bad for business and like everybody tries to avoid it. But, you know. It happens. It happens. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get our I'm going to spare you from reading through like the whole recipe. It is a non-alcoholic drink recipe that's actually family friendly and is kind of like a dessert. And it's called black melon milk. And you can find it on starwars.com. Beat the Tatooine heat with some black melon milk garnished with Gatterfee sticks, which are, are made with a chocolate kiss stuck onto a pretzel stick that's dipped in chocolate. So it looks like the Gatterfee stick. And then the black melon milk, it's made with simple syrup. It's, it's very sugary. I mean, it's made with like oat milk, sesame seeds, you know, vanilla whipped cream. It has tapioca in it. It's, it's interesting definitely check that out on starwars.com but I, I really think the most fun part of this whole drink really is the gatter feast sticks <laughs> but yeah so so enjoy reading up on that it it looks like a super sweet drink that you would get at starbucks or something so, so it's mostly like simple syrup and water right and and oat milk and oat milk yeah but yeah mainly sugar and water and other kinds of sugar <laughs> okay so satisfy your sweet tooth with some black melon milk on uh all right. find the recipe starwars.com <laughs> all right chapter four the gathering storm that's in the back to tank and we get a flashback to him finding fennec shand injured and takes her to a droid mod Parlor, like a mod parlor yeah which is like a tattoo parlor except for it's for droid modifications and they like they save her life 
one thing that I've noticed about this series is that Star Wars in 1977 referred back to a, a lot of the science fiction stuff that came before Star Wars, uh, mostly space opera, big armadas in space, that kind of stuff. This, we're getting a couple of different flavors of science fiction that came after Star Wars in Star Wars. So now we get some stuff like um, more cyberpunky, you know? So it's mm -hmm. like more Blade Runner-y and stuff like that in Mos Espa, you know? And I don't know how well that fits with Star Wars or not, but, you know... There was always body modification. Remember, Luke lost his hand and got a droid, you know. Yeah, it's a droid hand. hand. Yeah. yeah. So it existed, but we're getting, it seems to go even further down the line into some of these alleys of types of sci-fi that didn't even exist when the original Star Wars came out. He basically gets Fennec Shand to join him since he saved her life. She's like, well, you know, what do you want? And he's like, ah, oh, I just want your help uh, an interesting bit of dialogue that they have when they're talking after he saved her and she revives is he says i was ready to leave hunting behind and uh, she says to him people like us don't get to decide when we're finished like yeah that again straight out of like the the godfather like I thought I got out of this and they pull me back in, you know, right, that kind right. of thing, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. straight up. And I also liked speaking cinematography wise, the composition where they're sitting by the fire with his ship in the background, that night scene, that's like one of the most beautifully shot bits of, uh, of this series. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to agree. And I also want to, point to the fact that the Tuscans had just been slaughtered too. And yes. then he almost loses Fennec Shand. So he saves her and, you know, they're having a conversation and she's like, well, I'm an independent contractor. And, you know, he wants her to basically be his right-hand man. And, you know, she's like, I want to be an independent contractor. I like my freedom and stuff like that. But one thing he did say is you can only get so far without a tribe. He was a loner for so long. The Tuscans took him in. He immersed himself in the culture and fell in love with them. Then they were taken from him. And he realized, like, you can't really fully make it through this life alone. And I really just um, had to write that line down. Yeah. Struck home. He and Fennec, they get his ship back. They go to the Sarlacc looking for his armor. But toward the end of the episode... He calls a meeting of all the crime bosses. They don't agree with him, but he's like, okay, just all you have to do is remain neutral while I take on the syndicate, you know? And they agreed to it. And they agreed to it. That whole meeting of all the crime bosses, again, reminiscent of what Vito does to unite the five families in the Godfather mm -hmm. series. <laughs> yeah. We'll see how well that works out. I can't remember the name of the tribe, <laughs> but uh, that is actually, that's important to know. Um, but my brain is not working for me. Like I said, drag show last night.